Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Our co-host today, Dave Anderson. And our producer, William Jeffries. And today, we'll be talking about cross-team collaboration. Why does it hurt? And why you should do it in the first place. It seems like oftentimes people would be placed in certain clients or you show up at a software engineering shop and suddenly us versus them, engineers versus product or designers versus engineers or some kind of versus thing. Engineers it, versus other engineers. Yeah. That's dev a versus one. ops. Dev, oh, dev versus ops. That All these things happen. And when in reality, you should all join together and kumbaya fix all the stuff that you need to do to make the product you want yeah to make uh, sometimes you you get a problem that's like bigger than one team like it affects a lot of people and it's like well this isn't my problem it's not <laughs> your problem it's like sucks for everybody but like how do you how do you bring people together and solve that and we're going to dive into just like why is it difficult because i feel like that's just easy to start Let's talk about some of those things. Why is it hard to collaborate? Why do people show up and just have a us versus them mentality? I got things to do. <laughs> There's like an in-grouping, out-grouping phenomenon. Like people naturally tend to develop an in-group. They look around for the people who are similar or for the people that they have the most contact with and that becomes your in-group. And then the way that people, this is just human psychology. It comes from the way that we evolved. Right. Like, you need to develop a trusted group that you can rely on for support. And right. the best way to do that is to have an out group, which is everybody else, all the other teams, if you're structured that way. Right. William mentioned the word trust, and I think that that's a huge uh, part of that. Some people don't trust others, as you mentioned, and that's, that has been the reason of, for our survival till this very day is who you trust, who you don't trust, is that person should be part of the group or not, like that whole bit. Yeah, but like maybe we should get a little bit more concrete about it. Like what, where, where would that kind of come into play? Where, like, say, say you have a team, maybe you have like an infrastructure team that's mm-hmm. separate from your actual team, like right. the, the team that's like building a product day to day. And there's some pain that the product team is feeling about the infrastructure, but you know, everything's working fine. The lights are on. Mm-hmm. And maybe that the infrastructure team's like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't. I don't need to change anything. Like I have this new feature. It's got to go out. It works on my machine. I don't understand why when we deploy it, it doesn't. It doesn't work. <laughs> right. But it's like, yeah, it's not my problem. This know. is ops yeah. needs to fix this. Yeah, that definitely becomes a eh, they, not my problem. They won't give me access. Like I don't have access to the server. I can't debug it. It's their fault. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the like the us versus them mentality. Like, oh well, that's that's an ops thing. That's not a me thing. Like. But ops, you know, they're not going to do it. They get, they got, they got things to do, right? And I think that, like, one of <laughs> yeah. the one of the things that ends up happening, trust is one of them. But when you're split up in those kind of teams and you're given assignments that needs to get done, you have to worry about the things that you need to get done. You have Bobby over here saying that he has a feature that needs to be out right now. But if that's not on my sprint board, then I could care less about Bobby. I'm going to finish what I need to do on this side. I got to keep this site up and running. Look, every time that they introduce one of these stupid new features, the site goes down. It's because they write <laughs> bad code. If they would just write quality code, then we wouldn't have problems shipping. Yeah. And then, like, 
I don't know. I think it, what's most important here is that we just keep the site stable. And so if the developers don't get to ship code, then they don't get to ship code. But then how do you get the features? This is a, you're making it us versus them right now. I don't care about the features. I'm an, I'm an ops engineer. <laughs> I care about site stability. Yeah, but you need to have a site that's stable for things that are new. You have to be able to release new features. Ah, I see what you I see where you're going with this. See, that's a, not a priority for my team. That's priority for the company. Yes. Right. And that's and that's it, right? Like it's not just what you have on your board, but what's best what's the best interest for the company. So, how do we get people to break out of that in-group mindset where they're just thinking about the success of their team and start to think about the success of the team of teams? <laughs> yeah i mean yeah you gotta you gotta get the right people in the room you gotta get everybody together which can be can be hard like the right people might be really busy they might have a lot on their plate like they have the things to do mm-hmm. you know asking them to come through for this other new initiative maybe like just another meeting that they have to go to or like another thing they have to deal with right keeping engineers away from the keyboard is not a good start for collaborating and sitting in meetings try to choose your meeting time very very carefully because the more that they're away from the keyboard the less likely they're able to collaborate with other individuals in in the work but that's one of the problems You, you have to go to this meeting oh this thing broke let's all you know group up and discuss all these things that has happened and why and that people aren't able to collaborate because they're too busy discussing about what happened rather than finding solutions as to what happened. Yeah. But I guess that, that was just another problem. That's not really how you do it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was the question you asked. Are there other problems? One that I do think, even the idea of having bringing people to the room, uh, I feel like the workspace of the office is important. And I think a lot of the times when you're, when you have the mindset of, I need to get this done, you can find yourself just like, you know, putting on headphones and just, you know, knocking out those Jira tickets or Trello tickets or Clubhouse tickets, whatever ticketing system you prefer, or physical boards. Shout out to those who use <laughs> physical boards. 3M post-its. There you go. Shout out to 3M. Man. <laughs> <laughs> what a company. Yeah, what a company. <laughs> if your workspace doesn't allow you to be interruptible to help other people in collaboration, then you're not even setting the organization up to collaborate in the first place. You know, people like, you know, you scare people away when you have, when the individual has headphones on because you don't want to disturb them. So how do you collaborate with that person who could be very important into fixing and collaborating on a particular feature? So how do we fix this? Sounds like it, the the root of it is like people have too much on their plate. Like they need, there's trade-offs, right? Like if we do the one thing, then you can't do another thing. If if we ship the features, then some kind of like ops priority has to fall off of the the plate for a moment to to help out with that. So you might really need to help have some help from the big people in the room, like the influencers in the organization, the CTO or So long as we have these like us versus them teams, it's going to be a zero sum game. If my team wins, then your team loses. Right. Yeah, that's true. Like it's just the general like cultural mentality. And incentives that are there. So the book Team of Teams does a good job of explaining how to do this, how to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. It's by General Stanley McChrystal. It's talking about how the United States military had to evolve in order to combat a new type of enemy when they started fighting dist- essentially distributed teams 
because previously mm. most of military history it's been armies matched up against each other and they're yeah. very hierarchical just lining up in a row but in this instance it was really very much an organically evolved organization that didn't have a central command of any kind and so you couldn't try and take out a top leader in fact every time they took out who somebody that they thought was one of the top leaders that person became unimportant and was immediately replaced and oh, filled wow. in it was like they huh. couldn't attack the enemy the same way that they used to attack traditional enemies and so they started copying some of the structural like some of the organizational techniques that these terrorist organizations had naturally evolved and it ended up proving really effective that's this, interesting I, I never thought about like that like military aspect of teams and cooperation i was just thinking about like agile software well, what, what was really interesting to me about reading the book was that a lot of the problems were very similar so like we were talking about the conflict between dev and and or dev and ops or the conflict between product and engineering mm -hmm. and in the book mccrystal talks about the conflict between the navy and the army the conflict between the air force and you know like all these different departments within the military all these different organizations within the military they sure. also have these same conflicts hmm. so like the fbi is not sharing information with the cia is not sharing information with you know whoever yeah and so what they what they started doing was cross collaboration cross right. collaboration they had to break down the silos in order to get people talking in a way that allowed them to properly combat organizations that had evolved with a very high degree of collaboration and communication hmm. and you mentioned earlier like to do that, one of the ways was to have an individual from one organization be a part of a team with the rest of another organization. Yeah, absolutely. Embedding. So they would, you'd have this problem where all of the army guys hated the Navy guys. And so when they were doing drills, they wanted for the army team to do well and for the Navy team to do badly. And so what they did was they took one guy from the Navy team and they put him on the Army team. Oh, man. <laughs> Setting him up for failure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely rough in the beginning. Yeah. He, like, got all of the worst jobs. Yep. Um, getting pantsed. Oh, man. <laughs> but eventually that team ended up in a situation where they needed to communicate with the Navy. And they had somebody on their team who they knew well and trusted. Mm -hmm. And the leadership had chosen that this guy particularly for his resilience mm. uh, <laughs> in the face of panting yes <laughs> and so he had held up well and then when the time came for him to act as a conduit he was extremely effective at it and then the team really valued him and so it started to break down the us versus them mentality because now it's like it's not army guys versus navy guys it's like army guys needing you know joe and those other Navy guys. Right. But there's yeah. Joe. You know, yeah. he's a face for the organization. It's right. somebody you can relate to. Yeah. So let's 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 break that down and bring it back to agile uh, software engineering. So like your Navy guy or your your army could be your your product team. Right. Like they're on the ground, they're like fighting things. And your Navy guy who's getting pants all the time, that could be the <laughs> ops team. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I like that idea, like just to build empathy with the team to have like people with different skill sets and specialties, like understanding each other rather than kind of like throwing things over the wall. 
Yeah, they took it a step further and they also did uh, entirely cross-functional teams. Mm. So you'd have a team and one guy would be from the Navy and another guy from the Army and another guy from the Air Force and another guy from the Marines or whatever. So there wasn't a dominant group. Mm. And then all those people bonded and then they formed an in-group and a team, but made up of people from organizations that previously they had low trust with. And then yeah. even after they finished their mission and moved on to another team, they still remembered that person. They still had that point of contact. And so later on when they needed another organization, things were easier. It's like when you have an engineer, a UX designer, a product person, and a DevOps person all in one team trying to build out this one feature. It's, an, it's a cross-functional team. Oh, my God. Where have I heard this before? <laughs> oh, right. This podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's... Really great documentation too on like Spotify's site on their approach for cross-functional teams. I think we talked about this before in like past episodes, but they have like their like famous graphic where they have all the different slices of their organization at different levels and they have the cross-functional team is like the the primary unit that like is is there and like getting shit done. Like you're saying, yeah, the product UX yeah. designer and people are used to those teams like shifting over time and like it may not always be the same group of people you have mixing and you know getting more empathy for different people and different skill sets yeah because like if you're angry at the you know situation with the infrastructure or deployment or whatnot you can actually talk to someone about why that situation exists rather than just like, oh, deployment is broken again. I can't get this feature out because the, the the ops people don't know what they're doing. But like if you had Bobby Ops on your team and have a discussion with him as to why these things can't happen, first off, you're not going to be really rude to him because you've worked with him already and you trust Bobby Ops. When you when you ask Bobby Ops, like, hey, what's going on? Bobby Ops could give you a, a response that would make sense and figure out way. Like, oh, okay, well, all right, I feel bad for like yelling at the whole ops team because you explained to me what went wrong, and that's that's kind of what happened. <laughs> uh, I worked I worked at a team like that where it was an engineering team, and we had we had a DevOps person that was assigned to our team and would work with us, but then had initiatives like the DevOps also had their own initiatives and it was just really interesting to kind of like ask him for like ask him questions about it and he was like our point person for the ops situation which was really really cool mm. and being able to collaborate with someone and kind of know what's happening is a lot then you know and then you kind of you do feel empathetic about what's going on yeah i think that's that's the spirit of DevOps the whole idea is that dev and ops should be constantly collaborating I think that the word DevOps has been co-opted and has now become a term that refers to a set of tools that were developed around the same time as the DevOps movement. Yeah, according to my tattoos, uh, we did an episode on DevOps with Brian Guthrie, episode number 47. <laughs> that was an excellent episode, and we covered this very topic. DevOps is most successful when developers and Ops people work together in order to solve these problems. So it is your responsibility as a developer to make it work on production, not just on your machine. And it is your responsibility as an ops engineer to make sure that this feature can be deployed in and works in production. Yeah. And like being able to 
see the pain that's happening and like have have a way to like get that feedback loop quicker on the organization and pair with the pair with each other right cross team yeah. pairing so like in the end like you're gonna have more knowledge sharing people are gonna be more comfortable with the broader set of the stack like people will know what the infrastructure is and share that knowledge with each other and we can take that devops philosophy and we can apply it to other areas you can do the same thing with product you can do the same thing with qa Pairing with the UX designer is, I think, the most fun. It's just oh, they work yeah. so fast. Yeah, it's great. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you know, just change this a little, move this here, boom, 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 done, ship. It's great. I, yeah. I, I, I have I, a lot of fun. <laughs> Surprisingly, a lot of fun with the UX designer. I do like that, too, because like, I think the UX designers also get the most satisfaction out of seeing the thing that they thought about, like, completed. Yeah. The, the left half and the right half of the brain. Yeah. Looking at the Spotify chart one of the words that i saw as i was scrolling through that image if you get a chance to open that that image is like twenty two thousand by twenty two thousand. Like you zoom in and it's crazy but i scrolled in through one of them i think william had mentioned it before but you have to figure you have to like put your ego aside and realize that if you have a us versus them mentality at the end of the day the person who loses is not just the other team but it is the company so the you and your team has have to you know drop the ego a bit and realize that you have to work together to get you know this product built for the organization and i think when when egos are not at play that's when the collaboration is amazing yeah definitely what are some other strategies that you may know to increase cross-team collaboration yeah. So like in the same vein of talking about like team structure, you might have a problem that is like really challenging and needs very specific people, but is not for a short time. So one thing you could do is try to form a tiger team, which is a team of experts, like very specific and diverse experience and knowledge, bring them together for a short time and have them solve that problem. And then go back to their normal organization. So like just keeping that like idea that a team can be like a, a flexible thing. Oh, so like you find individuals that may not be in the same team, but they have a particular set of skills that they can all come in together can solve this one problem and then they'll disband right after yeah, if necessary. Some, somebody used the, uh, the metaphor like the heist team or like the ocean's 11s team <laughs> where you got like the driver yeah. the, the hacker charmer, the hacker yeah. man yeah exactly does any one of us know why it's called the tiger team i can google it real quick oh the metaphor of the tiger comes from the power and agility of the teams and their ability to pounce into action oh dang oh, there nice. are no limits to their size reasons or purpose parameters that sounds like a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> no limits to their size, reasons, or purpose. Yeah, that's real. It's just a fucking tiger. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's why they're called the tiger team. And crush you like tiger. I don't know. Tigers are pretty fierce animals. And I imagine that that's the perfect animal to describe this team of the best of the best to solve this problem and then kind of disband once it's once it's over disappear back into the woods right yeah <laughs> right into the forest or wherever tigers hang out i don't know where tigers hang out forest sounds right that sounds right i buy that <laughs> jungle jungle yeah the jungle that there's it is the jungle yes i think it's the jungle i think there was a book about that <laughs> this guy <laughs> 
I mean, while we're talking about ways of promoting cross-team collaboration, I think team rotations is another effective strategy. Why? I mean, I think I think the idea of I mean, if you asked me that, I would think, even though we've spoke about it before in time about the joining and storming, like, and when you start after the storming aspect, you start delivering uh, the features uh, effectively. Forming, I think there is storming, some, norming, performing. Yeah, I think there is a. I think there is something in constantly, not constantly being in the storming situation, but like when you get to hash out certain problems and gain trust with an individual that's when like the work or the features shine and the more you do that the more you exercise the ability to gain trust with other individuals the more likely you're able to work with other individuals who whoever that is and you take those relationships with you to the next team that you're on yeah and then when you need somebody from accounting after you've done your rotation in accounting you know who to talk to right and you sympathize with their problems when you create problems for accounting yeah so rotating teams is definitely a way to increase cross-team collaboration. Yeah, don't put me on accounting. <laughs> <laughs> How do you make sure that the incentives are aligned in your organization for different teams so that they're encouraged to collaborate with each other? Yeah, that's true. I guess no matter how nice of an environment you're building or the idea of a cross-functional team that you'd have, if like the guy on your team, your uh, ops guy or your UX guy or your product guy has vastly different incentives from what you have like as an engineer then you're not gonna make progress that you want to do so like if you want things to work properly and like get people to come together you want like a good same goal for the whole team like so for the product team or for uh for a a team that's developing a product that includes engineers and product people you'd, you'd want like the goal of like getting the features in front of the users not just like merging it to master like if my goal as an engineer is to merge code to master then that may not be aligned with like the true goal of like making customers happy or like increasing revenue or whatever because i can merge code to master all day and if it's not actually like in front of a user then i feel great but like the organization doesn't benefit if like the designer's goal is just to like make some pretty mock-ups and throw that over the wall then that's not going to help either like it has to be making the experience of the user better and like actually getting in front of people and i guess like more broadly for like something like a large engineering initiative or or what have you you need to have people higher up like who can clear the table of like the small things in order to make room for the larger things. So like making sure that you're not on, you don't have like three projects that you're trying to work on at once and not getting any of them done properly. Like making sure there's one thing that you're doing and that you're focused on it really well, which can be really hard. Is, is there any other way to like kind of increase collaboration without like something as drastic as a team rotation? I think that it's the responsibility of leadership to create a good environment for collaboration. I think that there is an older approach to management where you sort of play chess master and you think of your employees as pieces on a board for you to move around and you were the brain, you were the one in control, you were the one who was going to capture the king. And I think that that strategy just isn't effective for modern organizations things just move too quickly. We have access to too much information and one person cannot effectively 
make decisions for teams anymore. It's got to be done in a distributed way. And so I think leaders need to stop thinking of their organizations as chessboards, and they need to start thinking of them more as gardens. This is a garden that you are tending. Your mm-hmm. job is to make it a fertile place for things to grow. Right. Mm. Yeah, kind of like the philosophy of like design of workspaces for a place like Pixar, where they would encourage like people to go on like a long walk to get to the break room or the bathroom or whatever and on that walk you're going to walk past all these people that you just happen to want to talk to or like uh you may have something in common with or you haven't seen in a while just to keep things like kind of churning i miss you steve jobs (laughs) (laughs) follow us now on twitter at radio free rabbit so we can keep the conversation going like what you hear Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole. (laughs) 